the word that I have for you today is how to be class apart. How to be class apart. Do you know that you're not of this world? Amen. How to be class apart. Um, something that I shared over our WhatsApp group was don't wait for the change in circumstances. You know, don't wait for the change in circumstances. Wait for God's word. Because God's word will change your circumstances. If today, if there's anything that you need, you don't need a change in circumstances. What you need is the word. The word will change your circumstances. Wait on God to hear his word. His word will change your circumstances. Amen. So I'm believing for my life that if the passport needs to be recreated, his word will recreate the passport. You, you get what I'm trying to say? It has to be absolutely impossible. Because for the word, nothing is impossible. Everything is created by the word. Everything is created by the word. So you need a new kidney. The word can recreate that kidney. You need a new job. The word can recreate that new job just for you. Custom tailor made for you. You know, when I talk to you guys privately, you know that I I push you uh, for a job that does not, you know, that does not ask you to come on Saturdays and Sundays so that you can rest. You, Christians need to rest so that they can be effective in the kingdom. But this is just one level of the, of the blessing that I'm pushing you into. The other level of the blessing is where you have control over your time. Where the boss tells you, you decide when to work. As long as the work is done, as long as the work is done excellently and diligently, I don't care. You decide when to work. See, financial independence is when you have control over your time. Financial independence is not just having a lot of money. Financial independence is when you get to decide what you do with your time. Most of, most, most of us are corporate slaves. Right? We're getting money, but seriously, we have no control over our time. Monday early morning, why do you have Monday blues? Because you don't have control over your time. So the next level of blessing of financial independence is when you have control over your time. And I, and I'm saying as a Christian believer, okay, you should have a job. Absolutely have a job. Have a business, have a purpose where, where you're effective in the, in the world, in the marketplace. But you should be in a place where you have control over your time. What, what normally takes 20 hours, when you come in the picture, everything gets done in four hours. So your boss is like, you know what? You do whatever you want to work. You work from home or whatever. I don't care. See, that's the favor of the Lord. See, if you want to be effective in the kingdom, you need time. You need time to invest. Why is the devil coming in? Disturbing your peace about your money so that you will be distracted and you will give most of your time to the devil. 
being distracted. But if you can walk past that and have financial independence where you have control over your time so that you can invest in the kingdom. Please understand this, not to sit home and watch Netflix, but to invest in the kingdom, to be a blessing for people. To be a blessing for people. You, wouldn't have to, you don't have to work 16 hours a day. You can do that work in three or four hours. Can you believe that? I'm telling you from my experience, this is my story when I was working in the corporate. The reason why I had so much favor from my superiors were when I would step in, what would normally take 10, 15 hours, it would get done in two hours. There's something about the favor of God that not only gives you more leverage with your superiors, it also brings excellence in your work. So they, they, they understand it. The people of the world recognize it, they understand it, and they don't want to mess with it. So you have a more say in the company. You understand what I'm saying? You don't need the position of your boss to be blessed. Let your boss remain your boss and you can still be blessed. You don't need to step over people, cheat them, betray their trust. Backbite, you don't have to do that to be blessed. Amen. You can be blessed in the same position, in the same opportunity. You can be a janitor and still live a blessed life. Because the blessing of the Lord is not upon your job. The blessing of the Lord is upon you. It's upon who you are. Amen? Amen? So you, you will be blessed in whatever you do. How did I come here? I have no idea. But you got it, right? Amen. What were you talking about? To be class apart. You are class apart. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9. Are you guys with me? First Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Whom is Peter talking about? Say me. Okay? So put your name, replace that you, the word you, with your name, okay? But Sam, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that Sam you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you, Sam, out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has chosen you. You are chosen. You are chosen. You are chosen. Heaven's spotlight is on you. You know, you are chosen. 
you're a chosen race, you're a royal priesthood, but why? Why are you chosen? That you may proclaim the excellencies of God. Why are you chosen in your workplace by God? So that in your work, the excellencies of God is revealed. When you work excellently, when you work diligently, when you study excellent, excellently, you are proclaiming the excellencies of Him who has chosen you. Amen? So favor, please, please try to understand. Favor is not just, you know, it's, it's not a magic pill where everybody just starts liking you just like that. Favor comes with excellence, empowers you to be excellent in whatever you do. It's, it's so unique. It's such a peculiar kind of excellence that when people see you, they know that this is not of this world. This is completely different. They know that if they keep challenging you, they'll get tired. So they'll let it be. We're not going to touch him. Because peculiar. His work is peculiar. Weird. He's a weirdo. She's a weirdo. Why? The excellencies of God are being proclaimed through your life. In whatever you do. Excellencies of God. You know, you can be doing anything. You can be a janitor. You can be a doctor. You can be a video editor. Whatever you do, it can proclaim the excellencies of God. You know, excellencies of God are not just proclaimed from a pulpit. Excellencies of God can also be proclaimed from your corporate desk job. Man, you are chosen. You are chosen to declare and proclaim the excellencies of God. Amen? This is also mission work. This is also part of missions. You know, the whole paradigm of missions is changing where we used to be sent out to a different place and we used to preach the gospel, which is important, which we need to do it, right? This is also missions where you are faithful and you invoke the favor of God and you proclaim the excellencies of God. And people come to you and be like, how do you do it, man? Tell me. How do you do it? And you tell them, let me tell you a story. And you tell them your testimony. And who is revealed? God is revealed. Amen? Do you know that God wants to reveal himself? He can only reveal himself through you. He wants to reveal himself. Amen? Hallelujah. Come with me to John chapter 17, verse 17. You know, this is Jesus. He knows that he's going to be betrayed by Judas. He knows that his time is up, he knows to, he knows that he has to go to the cross, right? Just before he leaves, he makes this prayer to the Father. John seventeen seventeen says, "Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. 
sanctify them in the truth your word is truth i want you to underline three words sanctify truth and word just underline them or just highlight them okay sanctify truth and word the meaning of sanctification is to be set apart is to be distinct we understand usually we understand sanctification in the process of purification in the process of cleansing but it's much more than that are you cleansed yes are you purified yes are you made holy yes are you made righteous yes but the purpose of sanctification is to set you apart is to distinct you you know in our house we have different kinds of vessels there are some vessels that are sanctified for a special purpose set apart for a special purpose we don't use those vessels for everyday use they are set apart they are sanctified they are chosen for special occasions and when they come they come in this beautiful wrapping you take it out you're so careful why because they are special sanctify means set apart class apart Jesus prayer just before he goes to the cross his prayer to the father sanctify them set them apart keep them class apart distinct distinct them distinct them and how how do you do it sanctify them in the truth the greek word for truth is aletheia say with me aletheia 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 means reality aletheia means reality the life that you're living right now is your reality you know i think it was galileo who said the earth revolves around the sun right but that's not true the earth revolves around you that's your reality isn't that true we live our lives as if everything revolves around us when we sick we feel like the whole world is sick huh when india loses a cricket match we feel like the whole world is upset it's not true so we live in a very subjective reality do you know what subjective is we live in our in our own reality where everything revolves around us my emotions my thoughts my feelings my world my family my church everything revolves around you but the thing is you can only sustain your reality to a certain point there's limitations and jesus says set them apart in the truth the truth meaning there's one reality which is so unique which is god's reality you're not hearing this in your reality you can be sick in your reality you can be upset in your reality you can you know struggle with peace in your reality you can have all sorts of infirmities and weaknesses but in the reality of god you're righteous you're whole you're complete you're healed you're sin free 
And Jesus says, set them apart in your reality. That the people will not just stay in, you know, stay limited, stay bondage to the reality that they have created, but they will start living in the reality of God. See, right now, what's the time? It's, it's about 11.30. But in the US, it's not day. It's probably 11.30 in the night. So, is our reality true? 11.30, that's over here in the morning. Is the reality over there true? But God's reality is much more bigger. Where it remains constant no matter where you go. By geographical change in location, it doesn't change. You know, it's an absolute truth. It's not subjective reality. It's absolute reality. So you can be in any part of the world, but God's reality will not change. God's reality does not change. You have been set apart in God's reality. You're no longer living in your reality. God has set you apart in His reality. So what does He say? He says, sanctify them, set them apart in your truth. In the truth, your word is truth. How do you find God's reality? In His word. How do you find God's reality? In His word. In His living word. You are set apart. Do you want to be set apart? Do you want to be class apart? You can only be class apart when you find yourself in the reality of God. And the reality of God is in His Word. In the Word. This Word has a reality. This Word has a reality. You know, there are, there are about, if I'm not wrong, there are more than 8,000 promises in the Word. Whatever reality that you need from the word is there in abundance for you. You want healing? There are healing verses, not just one. Healing promises. Because for every reality that you want, God gives in abundance. But one verse is enough for you. Just one word. One word that you hear from God is enough for you to change your life. To change your reality. That's why I said, don't wait for circumstances to change. Wait for the word. Because once you get the word, the word will change your circumstances. Set apart in the reality of God. You are set apart in the reality of God. Your life needs to be set apart. If your life needs to be class apart, it needs to be in the reality of God. And the reality of God is found in His Word. Amen? See, can you name one person who might be living the best that the world has to offer? Who would be that person? Right now, everybody is talking about Elon Musk, right? He's the richest guy. He has a lot of money. So probably he, he can do whatever he wants. But 
the bible talks about one person who was much 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 more richer than elon musk do you know who that is solomon king solomon he was the wisest king and he had so much riches nobody can be compared with his riches you know what's the proof that he had money he had almost 1000 wives you you need a lot of money it's a blessing just just imagine 500 wives came to him and just said i we want to go for shopping that's a lot of money he was rich king solomon who has experienced it all who is the richest who is the wisest who is more knowledgeable he had more power look at this he had more power he had more wealth and more education he had everything whatever the world calls it the definition of success that was king solomon yes but what does he write by the end of his life everything under the sun is vanity vanity of all vanities you know when when i was 15 years old i read ecclesiastes and i got depressed is something that opened my door to philosophy was ecclesiastes vanity of vanities and my friends would say you know that girl she looked at me and said vanity of vanities everything under the sun is vanity so here's a person who has experienced it all right who's experienced every desire that you can imagine every fantasy is experienced it all and he says vanity of vanities let me show you a verse come with me ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 18 Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 18 For in much wisdom is much vexation and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow The person who prayed who asked God God give me your wisdom give me wisdom he says guys you don't need to be wise I've been there and it's not pretty it gives you a lot of vexation and gives you a lot of sorrow do you do you do you, have you noticed in the world that people who study a lot are usually depressed <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> but solomon says the solomon who says with more wisdom and knowledge you have more sorrow with more wisdom and knowledge you have more sorrow but can i give you a good news good news is you're not of the world he said everything under the sun is vanity but you're not of the world you know jesus he says in matthew chapter 12 greater is here the one who is greater than solomon Jesus says he's greater than Solomon. So we have Solomon who 
who comes in the top of the world's success, elite. But we have Jesus who is greater than Solomon. Right? But you're not of the world. You're of the word. You're not, you're not, you're not, you were not born of a woman. You're not born in the world. You, you were born in the world, but you're not born of the world. You're born of God's word. First Peter 1.23 For you were born of the imperishable seed, which is the living word of God. So you have every characteristics, every potential that Jesus has. If Jesus is greater than Solomon, your Christian life begins being greater than Solomon. Amen. I'm taking you somewhere. So, this wisdom and knowledge of the world might give you more sorrow. But you're of the word. You're of God's word. And our purpose is to know God. The more we know God, the more we experience life. Knowing God is life. You know that verse, right? Which one? Great. John 17.3 Eternal life is knowing God. So knowing God is life. If you don't know God, what's the opposite? Death. So it's not true. What Solomon says is, hey, don't know. Knowledge is bad. Solomon is saying from a worldly perspective, he says knowledge is bad because more knowledge will give you more sorrow. But Jesus says, know God, he'll give you life. If you don't know God, you are living in death. So what gives you life, if what you know about God is what gives you life, then what you don't know about God is what is killing you. Do you see how serious this is? It's about life and death. If what you know about God is what gives you life, then what you don't know about God is killing you. You know, there is this proverb or idiom in English which is like, if you don't know, it doesn't harm. Something like that. Ignorance is a bliss. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Ignorance is a bliss. If you don't know, it won't harm you. Let me give you an example. You know, in our old house, when we had young people coming in after they would leave, when we would clean our houses, you know, we'll find a lot of trash spread across the corners of the house. Sometimes they were behind our sofas because the philosophy of these young people were, if you can't find it, it is not there. If you can't see it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> Ignorance of God is harmful. Ignorance of God is harmful. Whatever is killing you is because that aspect you have not found yet in the knowledge of God. You need the knowledge of God. Because knowing God gives you life. Let me show you one verse. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 30. First Corinthians 1 verse 30. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus. 
who became to us wisdom from God. That's it. Christ Jesus has become wisdom from God. So this wisdom that we're talking about is not the wisdom that Solomon had. We're talking about a greater, greater wisdom. And Jesus has become the wisdom from God. Jesus personally has become the wisdom from God. So anytime you need the wisdom of God, you know whom to ask. Because he personally has become the wisdom from God. Amen. See, let me show you something, uh, an illustration. Is that ready? Can we put it on the screen? Okay. Uh, also for the online folks as well. <clears throat> let me show you an illustration. I hope it's interesting. What do you see? You see a mountain, right? Now this mountain is going to erupt with volcano. But do you see the volcano yet? Not yet. But you see the fumes of it. Right? But I'll show you another image. Show me another image. This is the thermal image of that same mountain. It's a thermal image. Now a thermal image gives you more information such as temperature. What's the temperature? Right now it's blue. That means the temperature is not that hot. Show me the next image. Now it's red. So this volcano is erupting, right? But you won't see through your naked eye until it erupts completely. But if you had somewhere the lens of thermal imaging, you will know when the volcano is changing its temperature. It's going from cold to hot. Listen to me very carefully. Just because you understand the English that I'm speaking doesn't mean you really understand what the Spirit of God is trying to tell you. Because every word has multi-dimensional reality in it. Every word. You see it through the naked eye, it shows you something. Show me the naked eye picture. The mountain. Okay. You see it through the naked eye, it shows you something. But as your reality, you know, as your lens changes, that same reality can give you more information. You know, thermal imaging was used for, you know, to identify COVID people at the airport. Just to see if you have temperature or not, they use thermal imaging. So what I'm trying to tell you is, just because you understand the same words, don't assume that you have got it all. There's multi-dimensional reality hidden in the same word. If you are humble and you are receiving, you can receive more through, my, through the words that I speak that I probably haven't got it yet. You get it? So the same words... The same words can hold multi-dimensional reality. It's not about right or wrong. So if you take these two images, one that you see on a thermal image and one that you see through your naked eye, which one is right, which one is wrong? Both are right. It just means how they're different is what information you're looking for. So the same words can give you different information based on what you are seeking. Seek and you shall find. It's not about right or wrong. The problem is we, 
you know, as, as Christians, we've become so divided in justifying that our interpretation of the scriptures is right and trying to, you know, and trying to argue with everybody and tell everybody else's interpretation is wrong. Perhaps it's not wrong. It's on a different dimension. It's on a different dimension that we probably don't know of it. Our eyes haven't opened. So what I'm trying to say is, be humble when you hear God's word. Because just because you are familiar with a concept, you're familiar with a verse, that does not mean that is all that is there is. There is a lot more. Multi-dimensional reality of God. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3. So that the multifaceted, the multi-dimensional wisdom of God will be revealed to the principal principalities through the church. You're a multi-dimensional being. You can understand and experience the multifaceted, the multi-dimensional wisdom of God. But you have to take the limits off. Take the limits off. What are those limits? Those limits are self-righteousness. Self-righteousness and pride. Oh, what, what did the pastor preach from? John 70? Oh, that. Oh, I know that. See, self-righteousness is what can limit God to work in your life. Sin does not limit God to work in your life. But self-righteousness can. So be open. That's why we, we're not just hearing the word from an intellectual point. We, we, we are hearing the word spiritually because only the spiritual mind can understand spiritual things. Multi-dimensional. Are you listening to this? So God's word has God's reality. And that reality is multi-dimensional. So you, you, you probably, you meditated on that particular scripture for 20 years, but on the 21st year, a new dimension opens up and your whole life changes. Your whole perspective of how you see that verse changes. Amen? See, this, this year, this year, before this year began, was, I was meditating on Deuteronomy 28, the whole of Deuteronomy 28. I would at least declare it once in a day. Uh, we also started doing that in the office. And I would sometimes write the entire chapter down. So I meditated on this again and again, again and again. At least the first two verses I know by heart. The Lord will lift you up above all the nations of the earth and the blessing of the Lord will come upon you and overtake you. I kept meditating on that. Kept meditating on that. And the Lord has spoken to me so many times through that word. But just three days ago, I was just watching a sermon on the TV. And I was just watching something very different from the blessings of God. And suddenly, the Holy Spirit said, overtaking blessings. When I heard that word, overtaking blessings, the picture that I got was, I'm running a race and the blessings catches up to me, overtakes me completely. Runs further than me and clears way. You know, like John the Baptist was clearing the way for Jesus. Clears the way. The blessing of the Lord can clear the path for your purposes. 
that you don't operate from striving, but you know, everything that you need for a life of godliness has been set. Has been set. So that's the word that I got. I've been meditating on this for so many days or for almost a year. But now I have a completely different outlook on that verse. The blessing of the Lord will come upon me and I will overflow in it without any stress. It will not be striving. It will be stress-free. It will be overflowing, flowing, be flowing. Let me give you an example of flow. Last week we were playing football. Some of the guys play football on Sunday evenings. And last week we were playing football. And I saw this one guy who was so distinct. His name is John. He's behind the camera right now. That day, he was playing at a different level. You know why? Because he was in a flow. See, when the flow happens, you're not really thinking from your mind, logical mind. You're not really operating from your natural senses. When the flow happens, you are doing things which you wouldn't have done otherwise. I'm telling you this because I've seen him play otherwise. That day, I was completely shocked. I purposely gave John to them so that we'll know that we would win if John is there in his team. I underestimated him completely. But John that day was in such a flow that whenever he would touch the ball, something would happen and it would go directly into the goal. It's called being in the flow. Being in the flow. Or, you know, sometimes the athletes use as being in the zone. Being in the zone. When you're in the zone, when you're in the flow, you do things automatically without thinking. So when I'm playing, I'm waiting. I'm waiting on that flow to happen. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't happen. But when you're in the flow, when you're in the zone, things happen automatically. The blessings of the Lord will overtake you, will bring you in a flow. Prosperity is not just having a lot. Prosperity is that there is a continuous supply of flow in your life. Continuous supply of peace. Continuous supply of joy. Continuous supply of emotions. Continuous supply of encouragement. Continuous supply of every blessing that you need for a life of godliness. So the overtaking blessings of God have come into your life to flow. So that there's a flow in your life. See, what's the difference between a lake and a river? A lake is stagnant. Why? Because there's no flow. The river is flowing. You are a river. You're not a lake. Streams of living waters will flow. Don't hold it stagnant. Let it flow. Overtaking blessings. This is just to describe, this is what I got in just one download. See, your mind can, mind needs to learn. So your mind learns A, B, C, D, then makes words, then phrases. So your mind needs to go through the process of education. But your spirit can just download just like that. Your spirit can download. But what does it download from? From the word. There's a reality this multi-dimensional reality of God 
that's hidden in the word and you can receive those reality by meditating on those word, on the word of God. Amen. See, let me show you another verse, okay? Um, John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. John 8, 31, 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. How do you abide in Jesus? By abiding in his word. How do you become Jesus' disciples? By abiding in his word. See, now, the problem with why some, some of us in the body of Christ, we are so flimsy and we are so weak is we know worship, we know prayer, but we don't abide in the word. But how do you become a disciple of Jesus? By abiding in the word. Is worship important? Absolutely, yes. Is prayer important? Yes. Communion, giving, fellowship, all of that is important. But how do you become a disciple of Jesus? By abiding in His Word. So He says, if you abide in my Word, you're truly my disciples. And see the consequence of abiding in the Word. And you will know the truth. That means you will experience reality. You will experience a different form of reality that you've never experienced before and it will set you free. You know what's holding you down? What's limiting you? Is the reality that you have created for yourself. This reality where the whole world revolves around you. If you are sad, the entire family has to be sad. That reality is what is limiting you. So Jesus says, abide in the word and you shall know the truth. Truth is reality and this reality will set you free. Will set you free from all limitations. Let me read another word for you. John 15, verse 7 and 8. John 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. Do you know it is the will of the Father that he be glorified? How does he get glorified? When you ask whatever you wish and it is done for you. And he says that you bear much fruit proving to be my disciples. There is a connection between abiding in God with abiding in His Word. Abiding in God, abiding in His Word. How do you find God? By finding His Word. How did Jesus reveal Himself to His disciples? By revealing Himself through the Word. All of those three and a half years, what He was doing with His disciples was taking Him through the Scriptures and revealing Himself in those Scriptures. You want to find Jesus? Through the word. You want to abide in Jesus? Through the word. Abide in God's word. God's word is all that you need to change the condition of your life. God's word is the only thing that you need to change the condition of your life. 
don't be satisfied by being the king of your reality. Know the word and you'll know that there's a better king who can rule that reality. That's why we confess that Jesus, you are Lord. Jesus, you are Lord. Amen? So, one of the practical things that I want to share is, you know, when you read the scriptures, let go of familiarity. Let go of familiarity and pride. Oh, I know this. Oh, I have read this. Before you read, say, Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to me. And whenever you read, it will be fresh. You know, you know what familiarity will do? Familiarity will be like the manna that the Israelites got every day. They were fresh from heaven, but it was not fresh to them because their heart was stale. This, you can read the same verse. You can meditate on the same verse 24-7 and every time you meditate on it, it can be fresh because it has a potential to be fresh. Let go of familiarity. Be open. Be humble. And be expectant. Expectation, my goodness. Expectation can do wonders. Expectation can do wonders. You know, every time you open the word, every time you pray, take a moment to expect. Expect that as soon as I read this word, this will happen. Expect. God is going to blow my mind. As soon as I pray, God is going to flood me with his emotions. Expect. See, it's like this, okay? When you go for a meeting, when I go for a business meeting, I'm, when I'm in the car, I'm already setting the mood for that meeting. Why? I'm already setting my expectation. I need to take money from him, right? Some I have to convince him of my services, make him a good deal, right? So I'm, I'm setting the mood of the meeting. What am I doing? I'm expecting. So the moment I go, everything that I do, you know, right from the greeting till I present my services, my expectation is what is driving it. Right? Why? Because I have set the mood of the entire conversation. You can do that in your prayer and reading the word. When you sit with an expectation, you're setting your mind for a breakthrough. Most of us, what happens is we've become so familiar with reading the word and praying that we don't, we no longer expect. It's just a habitual thing that we're doing out of our out of a habit. It's a dangerous place to be because then you realize, oh, this has no power. This has no power because you did not believe for it. You did not expect for it. You did not receive it. But every time you sit for prayer, you sit for a Bible study, you come for Sunday service, I'm telling you, expect, expect great things. Great things. Lord, I believe, Lord, today when I go, that you're going to speak the word and that word is going to change my reality. The moment I get out of the church, I will not be the same. You deepen your expectation. Come with great expectation. Great expectation will pull the reality from heaven. The pastor prepared something 
But because of your great expectation, the entire sermon gets spoiled. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is now moving in the direction of your expectation. Are you hearing this? Expect, expect great things from God. You know, I, I used to be such a negative child. And I would say, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist. I'm a realist. I think real. And one of the things about realistic people, they don't expect anything from people because they don't want to be disappointed. Joel can resonate with me so much. I know. Realists don't expect anything from people. Why? Because we don't want to set our hopes on people because they are meant to disappoint us. But you can expect from God. You can expect from God. Ephesians chapter 3 says, He will give you more than what you have imagined. So if your expectation that you set in your imagination, you need to set something, then you will know that He has exceeded your expectations. Amen? Amen? You are set apart in God's reality. And that reality is in God's word. Receive the word with expectation. Expectation. It will change my life. It will change my life. You know, when I, when I was working in the company, I, I can tell you this. My promotion happened, I think, around four times in a span of eight months. Unbelievable. Never happens. I'm telling you to expect great things from God. Every time you hear God's word, again, listen, listen, expect, expect. Why? You're not waiting for circumstances to change. So when I tell you this testimony, you're not waiting, oh, you know, I'll get double promotion. No, no, no. You're expecting the word to change your circumstances. You're waiting on God's word. God's word. Let God's word be a priority. Maybe, maybe God's word will come and you'll realize that's not the job for you. You need to get out. Like me. I got out. And I'm living the best life I can live. Doing God's work. Maybe that job is not for you. Maybe what you're praying is a prayer of limitation. You see that? That's why don't ask for change in circumstances. Ask, Lord, I want to hear you. I want your word. I want your word because your word, your word will change reality. Amen? Are you guys blessed? <laughs> Awesome.